New Zealand businessman Eric Watson has been sentenced to four months in prison in the UK for contempt of court. It follows a long and bitter dispute between Watson and Kiwi multimillionaire Sir Owen Glenn. Sir Owen claims that Watson owes him tens of millions of dollars. Not only that, but also claims that Watson has intentionally misled him about his assets to avoid paying compensation relating to that. Now, he has been found in contempt of court before, which he has appealed a number of times before. But the judge here at the Royal Courts of Justice in London found that he was in contempt and has sentenced him to four months in prison. But Watson has said that that is something that he will be appealing. And this was a ruling that shocked Watson and his legal team. His actions in giving evidence must have been fairly egregious for the court to have taken quite an extreme action. Will you be giving Sir Owen back his money? Are you poor now, Mr Watson? What's happened to all your assets? Well, we'll go and find out now, shall we? It was a point of principle. It's a point of justice. Tens of thousands of former investors, most notably from the Hanover collapse in 2008, may just have done a little dance of joy when news hit that the country's flashiest businessman is now behind bars. It's just for contempt of court, lying about where he's stashed money, and he'll be out before Christmas. But those who fumed when a three-year serious fraud office investigation into Hanover failed to result in a prosecution are having a little karmic moment. It's about bloody time. I am so relieved that finally somebody has had the power and the money to bring that guy to justice. I'm Alexia Russell, and that's my mum, Claire, a Hanover shareholder. That was her reaction to a story on the front page of the Herald's business section in the weekend, headlined, From Penthouse to Prison Cell, The Downfall of Eric Watson. It's about how his long-running dispute with fellow rich lister Owen Glenn has finally tripped him up. Today on The Detail, I'm talking to the investigative journalist who wrote it, Matt Nippet. In the last few months, he's split from his long-time partner, who's a Swedish model called Lisa Hendrickson. They've got three kids together. She's now uh, living separately. He's got this enormous tax bill, enormous legal bills. He's in prison. He's got COVID. It's, it's hard to think of anyone in New Zealand who's had a worse year than him. Eric Watson's fortunes certainly have changed, haven't they? He used to be one of New Zealand's richest men. He used to be married to supermodel Nicky Watson, and he used to be the co-owner of the Warriors rugby team. Now, his partner at the Warriors was Sir Owen Glenn, but the pair have had a spectacular falling out. He's a very interesting character, Eric. I mean, for uh, at least for the 90s and 2000s, he was probably New Zealand's most famous businessman. And then I guess once Hanover happened, which I'm guessing is uh, why your mum was so interested. It was... Not a great sum of money, but it was a lot back there in that time. And I was just trying to get a little bit ahead and trying to build up a little bit of savings. He became known by, you know, even beyond the, the business community. Um, he's, he's touched a lot of people in his time, I think it's fair to say. Negatively. Well, yes, uh, some, some uh, uh, well, were burnt by the experience. Um, he's uh, done quite well for himself, though, over the years. We're used to seeing him um, on TV. We hear about, you know, things like his brawl with Russell Crowe in the swanky restaurant bathroom. We, um, his pad was used for The Bachelorette. OK, here we are. Uh, it's day one at the mansion. Production he tennis. has racehorses. He was married to Nicky Watson. Is, uh, you know, he's had this incredible movie star lifestyle and probably one of our most visible party boy, playboy, businessman, right? Oh, over the totally. Years. I mean, he, um, 
He, I, th- I think he genuinely loves that life. He's led that for 20-odd years. When I saw photos and news articles all through the years about him living this luxury life and the mansion and the birthday party in Fiji, and I, it just makes you feel sick. You know, he could probably have paid me back with just his bar tab at one of those hotels. I think when I dug through, because he had this amazing penthouse in Knightsbridge, which is a very swanky part of London. Like It's where, it's the, the area where sort of oligarchs and ambassadors and and the uh, the wide boys from the city, which is, you know, the London Financial Centre live. Um, and then the property was sold. I had a quick check of the price. It was $80 million worth of property. And I made the, co- the comment in my story that if that property had been transported all the way, halfway across the world back to New Zealand, it would be by some margin New Zealand's most expensive residence. I mean, he was he had that, you know, holidays in Switzerland, Ibiza. Uh, for a while he had a super yacht. I think he sold it to an oligarch, no less. <laughs> um, and then he had, you know, the selection of very glamorous women and partners over the years. I mean, and yeah, at one stage I think he owned 100 racehorses. And of course, we, we, we can't forget too that, you know, he owned the Warriors for a while. I'm more involved than I've ever been in uh, 15 or 16 years that I've uh, owned the club. And uh, it's, it's great, actually, it's because, and not that it's not good having partners, but by not having any other partners, we can, we can make decisions even more quickly and we can act as a team. And, and um, there's, you know, there's no politics. Uh, we have a great organisation and I'm proud to be chairman of it. For a long while, particularly after Hanover, and it left to become a tax resident in London at that point, well, sorry, not a tax resident. He was a non-dom, so I'm not sure where he was actually paying tax, but that's another story. Um, so after after Hanover, where his business interests in New Zealand had sort of dried up, he was, you know, a regular fixture of the sports pages. Did so when did it all start unraveling for him? Well, that's a really interesting question. Um, I mean, the current proceedings, you know, the ones that have seen him jailed for contempt, uh, they started back in 2014 when he um, had a falling out with Sir Owen Glenn. Um, but I think when you look at the broader arc of his career, um, he's he's been very aggressive. He's very much sort of an apex predator of that 1% finance world. Um, very good at what he does. He's very good at structuring deals, so uh, he doesn't lose. Um, and if things go well, he does very well indeed. Um, I think the running into Owen Glenn, he found someone that um, he could roll over. In fact, he had deeper pockets than him. And the, the amount of money... Uh, that's been spent on lawyers in that case is, is truly unbelievable almost. $40 million, is that right? Yeah, that's just on Glenn's side. Um, so $40 million. I am struggling to think of a comparable case. The only things I could think of that might get there would be, um, I think when IRD went after the big banks about 15 years ago, uh, you know, th- there was so much money at stake there. There were several billion dollars in, in tax avoidance that was alleged that might have got there. But, I mean, the amount of money Owen Glenn has spent on this case, is it, it's one for the record books. And in some ways, you know, that we should we should be thankful because it's also sort of pulled back the veil on what, a, what had been extremely sort of secretive business deals and structures. And those the rulings that have come out of that case, are they're amazing. I mean, as a um, sort of foreign trust's corporate manoeuvre junkie like myself, being able to see how it works in practice has been quite remarkable. 
something is very, very difficult to see from the outside. I mean, the shadow companies and uh, doing deals with themselves, essentially, and all this sort of thing going on that's legal but not quite on the right side. Yeah, well, it's, um, he's, he's been... I mean, the, the court rulings have talked about Watson are wishing to... Um, using a whole number of vehicles, mainly for tax purposes. So I think uh, even if we, say, look at the, the long-running proceedings by the Commissioner of Land Revenue against Watson, I mean, I sat through three weeks of high court hearings there, and at one point the IRD lawyer started losing track of the number of trusts involved. I think she counted 16. We're just in this one transaction in 2002 that shuffled Eric's money out of New Zealand into the Caymans in preparation for him to be able to access it in London tax-free. Uh, and what the Glen proceedings, are just, it's even even crazy. I mean, you've got you know, entities in Hong Kong, Jersey, Guernsey, British Virgin Islands, Nevis, um, you know, any tax haven you can think of. It, it seemed like Eric had, had an outpost there. But, yeah, so there was this, this uh, reference in the rulings to Watson maintaining sort of his interest through a number of entities and often he'd prefer people not to know he was behind them. So I think there's one case where he's this deal with Glenn where the intent was to take Glenn's money and invest it in sort of ground rents and uh, social housing, um, and he had to, to buy out one of Watson's current partners. Um, and but and so the deal would have involved Glenn paying Watson for Watson and Glenn to acquire something, and the judge making the point that at this point of the transaction, there was Watson had no um, incentive at all to get a low price for Glenn or himself because he was the one selling it too. Um, so, I mean, it, it's quite... I mean, it's... It's head-spinning stuff. It's, it's absolutely head-spinning yeah. stuff. And I, I can only imagine what it feels like to to sort of immerse yourself in that sort of transaction and then realise a couple of years down the track in court um, what was really going on. So what exactly did he do to Owen Glenn that lit the fire under him? Well, I mean... Goodness me, that is quite uh, a big story, and it's been quite difficult because neither Glenn nor Watson have been particularly open about talking about it, given it's been in the courts for six years. Um, but it effectively looks like um, Watson and Glenn had undertaken a bunch of smaller deals together, then talked about a bigger, this Project Spartan, that was, I think, supposed to be initially £50 million, pounds, might grow to sort of $150 million down the track. Um, but Glenn at this point had a fairly complex structure of his own at this point, and it's money mainly based in British Virgin Island trusts, again, for, for tax purposes. And partway through negotiating this deal, the relationship between Glenn and his trustees broke down, and his, effectively Glenn alleged that his trustees ran off with his money, <laughs> and they decided uh, to ink the deal with Watson, which had, was constantly changing, and... Um, Glenn spent many years trying to unwind. So I, I think Glenn feels Watson had a role in that breakdown with his trustees. I think there's a finding by the courts that um, one of them had been induced into signing into Project Spartan off the back of Watson saying he could hook up the trustee's daughter with a plum legal job. Um, and it's just really eaten a better part of a decade of Glenn's life. And this is like after he's sold his business, he's quite ill. He probably doesn't have many more years on this earth and he's having to spend them hunting Eric Watson across the globe, spend, <laughs> spending £20 million on lawyers. But he is determined to do it, isn't he? I mean, he is it true that he has left provisions in his will that this hunt continues if he dies partway through it? Well, I've certainly heard uh, that that's speculated about, and it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, the amount of um, money he's spending, I suspect he's planned for all sorts of contingencies. 
What do you think has made him not being able to let this go and walk away, given that he doesn't have many years to live? Well, it, um, for a while there, I think it was the bulk of his wealth was tied up um, with these trusts that were suddenly out of his control and were starting to funnel enormous sums of money to Watson, I think. Um, just before there was the main ruling in 2018, um, uh, the Project Spartan agreed to release money back to Glenn, £130 million. So if it hadn't tried unwinding this, all that money could have been tied up or lost. I mean, who knows what, what could have happened there. I, sh- I should also point out that Watson's defence is that these deals actually did make on Glenn a tidy profit. Um, of course, Glenn's contention in court is that, well, the way those profits were divvied up, Watson made fantastic fantastic amounts. And Owen Glenn himself, is he the same sort of person as Eric Watson? Glenn had a sort of very different path to fame and fortune. I mean, while Watson was sort of this consummate dealmaker who was just constantly buying and flipping sort of a bewildering range of companies. I mean, throughout the 90s, he was involved in dot-com stocks. He tried started a debt collection business, and then he did his office products, and then he was doing electronics retail. Glenn sort of comes from, he left New Zealand and built a logistics company internationally, and he just built that up, built that up, built that up, and then decides, look, I've, I've had enough. I'm going to sell, and he's had a big pile of cash. While Watson sort of constantly, he's like, lives for the deal, um, you know, constantly looking for... for, for for new angles and opportunities. But they're both very um, strong-willed, stubborn, I think forceful might be a way to put it, Um, and they're used to getting their way. And, of course, you know, when you get a zero-sum game, as they're now locked in, uh, neither's really wanting to give an inch, which is why it's been so dragged out. Do you think uh, Watson will languish in jail, or is he going to be out as soon as his lawyers think of something new to say? Well, um, they did flag the possibility of an appeal. I understand the English legal system requires him to only serve half a sentence, so that's only two months out of four. He should be out by Christmas. Um, however, the, the case that triggered all this, I mean, the and the findings, awards uh, of damages to Glenn, uh, they're still live. And so presumably he's going to be served with a whole bunch of other document and asset production orders. And if he lies again, it's, we could well see him back in Pentonville. Mm. Um, it's very difficult to see a way out for Watson at this point, because this proceeding's not the only big looming legal problem he's got. Uh, the other being that, that finding last year uh, in that inland revenue tax case. The Cullen Group, chaired by Eric Watson, has been found liable uh, for more than $110 million in tax liability and related earnings in the High Court in Auckland. The culmination of a long-running legal dispute with Inland Revenue, IRD has been pursuing the group for nearly $60 million in non-resident withholding tax following a 2002 restructure which it says was done to avoid paying tax. Essentially what he did was he packaged up all of his kind of business interests and put them into two companies based in the Cayman Islands. What those companies then did was loan that money back to a company here in New Zealand called Cullen Group. Which found out his companies were liable for, I think, $53 million in back taxes plus interest because this transaction they were talking about was... 2002, I think. So it's now up to $120 million. And so all his New Zealand entities have now collapsed into liquidation. Um, and it's it's one of the largest messes I've seen in my career as a business journalist. Is the tax department going to get its hands on any of that money? Uh, yeah, I think the liquidators are flagging there's uh, prospects of some recoveries, um, particularly some money advanced to a dairy farm run by Eric's brother in the United States. But I think that looks just totaled on paper like 17 million US, mm. a long way from 120 million. Although I should point out the liquidators did find some cash on 
um, the offices of the Cullen Group, which they took over, um, they found $15 at the office. So, Oh, fantastic. <laughs> well, that's a start, isn't it? <laughs> Tell me exactly what Eric Watson is in jail for. Contempt of court, but because he was found to be less than truthful about what they're investigating. Yeah, so it's, it's a contempt of court charge, which is basically um, boiling it down. It's lying to the court. So that was triggered by uh, Glenn winning his main proceedings and getting uh, an award of damages, uh, tens of millions of pounds. He then um, wishes to recover that money. Watson hasn't voluntarily paid him. Uh, so Glenn's team has used the court process to basically force Watson to disclose his assets, and he's basically claimed he has none. Um, further inquiries revealed uh, the particularly the case that was was proven was uh, how money had been shuffled just before the ruling into an account, a rainy day account, in the name of Eric's mother, and this money was released in several tranches over the next few years uh, for, I think, what Watson's team had argued in court was for like holidays for. Uh, the the grandchildren, but you know Eric also went to Switzerland to go skiing, um, and by the time Glenn's team had figured out this account and asked, um, you know, can you tell us about it? There's still four hundred thousand dollars in the account, and Watson effectively claimed um, he didn't know anything about it. That's so that lie about that account is uh, what led to the four month jail sentence. It hasn't been a good year for him, has he? Because what now he's in jail. What else he's had COVID. He's year. had COVID, yeah. He's, um, in the last few months, he's split from his long-time uh, partner, who's a Swedish model called Lisa Hendrickson. They've got three kids together. She's now uh, living separately. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, so he's got this enormous tax tax bill, enormous legal bills. He's in prison. He's got COVID. It's, it's hard to think of anyone in New Zealand who's had a worse year than him. How did it all start for him? Because a, a lot used to be made of how he's, you know, such a high flyer and he started off as a butcher's apprentice. But he hasn't had any tertiary education, is that right? That's right. No, so, yeah, there's butchers. He was a butcher's apprentice, then worked. Um, I think he worked his way up to be like a Whitcall store manager, and then a decade later, he owned Whitcalls in New Zealand. Um, he then worked for Fuji Xerox, uh, sort of their Australian office, um, and then he got into as like into business for himself as his own boss in I think his late twenties, and started acquiring uh, printing, small printing and stationery firms, which were then. Mm bundled in as this Blue Star group, which he then floated and then sold to um, US office products. And that's, I think he managed, netted $150 million from that in, in the 90s. And that really um, set him up as a, got him onto the rich list and in mm-hmm. a big way and gave him a war chest to basically run around and continue the sort of acquisition, repackaging flipping strategy on a much bigger scale. So, you know, rules-based or not, the guy has to have some acumen about him. You know, he's obviously got... He's pretty smart. Oh, he's he's very he's very catty. I mean, you would not want to play poker with this man. He he understands how to um, how to do business and structure things so that he doesn't really lose. Um, and you know, he's 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 clearly got a real talent for dealing with people. Like I think well, he's charming, isn't he? Extremely charming. I mean, he's extremely good looking. He's, and he's got this very attractive lifestyle, which I imagine if you're sort of an up and comer with ambition, you immediately see in him as something you want to be and want to learn about too. And I think that's been part of his uh, strategy as well. But no, extremely personal, personable. Some of the um, former colleagues I talked to him said he could like sell sand to the Arabs. He was an amazing salesman. 
Um, yeah, I, and he's also been very careful in the past to never really put himself uh, out on a limb. You know, he's wasn't a director of Hanover, for instance. I mean, he was based in the UK at the time, so it would have been difficult for him to be running that company. But I, he wasn't. He hasn't tended to, to expose himself to personal liability by um, having his name as a director. Because with Hanover, yeah. neither Hodgson or Watson were charged. No, or, and there was, there was, there was a really, there was an extremely um, persistent effort by authorities and regulators to look into what happened there. How um, much money was lost back there? Well, investors were owed, I think, $450 million when it uh, sort of went into moratorium and froze. Um, and after that, of course, then... They, the Watson and Hotch into the back day, an exit plan for them where the investors would, would merge the company with allied farmers. Um, but it was the start of the GFC. Suddenly being a sort of second-tier lender wasn't worth a lot. Um, most of that money was lost. You talk about him being less kind of less Graham Hart and more Gordon Gecko in well, your story. Yeah, I mean, he, he's this total dealmaker and he's very... It seemed to be that the... That Playboy persona was part of the package for um, for Eric. The being seen as successful and having all the trappings of success was an extremely important part of the package. While Graham Hart is, um, well, he's worth a lot more money, <laughs> um, but also but he has he's, a lower profile. He's a, he has an extremely low profile. Mm. Um, I think Hart is at his entire career, three decades, is only given two or three interviews to New Zealand Press. Mm. Um, Watson, for a while there in the 90s when he was running Blue Star, was you know on every business journalist speed dial, and he was all over the place. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen next to Eric Watson? Will there be charges from the this Owen Green case? Well, it's entirely a civil case. I mean, it's really unusual, I mean, from a New Zealand context, to be thrown in jail for a civil case. It basically doesn't happen here because I think uh, contempt laws don't really allow, allow for it anymore. Um, it is a little bit more common in the UK. Um, but yeah, so he will likely get out, if not uh, with a successful appeal, which the judge didn't think there was much chance of, uh, in two months. So that will be, what, seven weeks from now. Um, as I mentioned, the case with Glenn and the awards owing Glenn are still live. So that case is going to drag on for a bit. Also, in parallel, you've got these liquidation proceedings from IRD in New Zealand that um, will continue on um, unless the Glenn case will drag on, I imagine, until Glenn feels though he's been satisfied largely with payment. Um, and there's a lot of money owing there. So, I mean, if, if Watson can, you know, rustle up, you know, £40 million, and I don't know how much legal bills Glenn's going to be seeking, but you have to assume that's quite a lot. Um, this will continue for some time. The only reason this got dragged out is because Glenn had resources to push back, um, it seems. And as I point out, you know, it's maybe a, an example of, sort of Eric's MO finally getting to the point where he tried biting off more than he could chew. That's it for today. I'm Alexia Russell. The details brought to you by newsroom.co.nz are made possible by RNZ and New Zealand On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. Rangi Poak was the engineer for this episode, Emil Donovan producing, and thanks to Matt Nippet and to my mum. Kakiteano. Kakiteano.